Hello everyone, this is episode number 6 with Mr. Moez Ali, who is founder and author of PyCarrot. Welcome to the Fireblaze podcast. My name is Anirudh Kalbande. I am founder and director of Fireblaze AI School. In this particular episode, we will be having an amazing discussion with Mr. Moez about PyCarrot. And thank you so much for joining everyone. And let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Moise Ali from Toronto, Canada, who also happens to be the founder and author of PyCarrot. As we all know, PyCarrot is a very popular open source, low code machine learning library. Welcome. Welcome, Moise, to the Fireblaze podcast. I am super excited to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks, Anirudh. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Let us start then. So you did your bachelor's in commerce and master's in economics from the University of Karachi. After that, you worked as a senior analyst and then analytics manager in Africa. And then you moved to Canada to join Scotia Bank. And then finally, you currently are in PwC Canada as a manager in business intelligence and analytics, right? So yeah. the journey looks quite exciting. You move to different countries, you change the domain. And I can also see that you have started learning again. You went to college for your second degree. What's, what's the motivation and how was your early education and how did you land it up into analytics? Yeah, sure. So uh, my, this is a very interesting part of my career. So I originally went to school decade ago to, to finish my education in uh, business and commerce, right? And I ended up graduating with a bachelor in commerce and I started working into accounting role. Uh, leading mm-hmm. up to that, I ended up becoming charter accountant and did my master's degree in economics. And for in the first half of my career, I practiced finance and accounting just like any uh, charter accountant, right? But mm-hmm. I went to school to do a degree in business uh, to secure my primary career. I was always, but I was always fascinated by uh, by technological development, right? And I was uh, even even in being in finance, I would used to find ways to integrate technology to automate processes. So it was not even close to data analytics or data science, but more towards like process automation, right? So I was always mm-hmm. I was always curious to explore those areas. For first five six years of my career, I worked into typical finance and accounting role, which would involve a little bit of analytics from the perspective of reporting, but not analytics from okay. a perspective of where you are solving a problem related to data, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then I have, uh, so I built my career in public sector organization, mostly in public healthcare. And I've worked in Pakistan, Dubai, and East Africa in hospitals. And hospital, if you think healthcare is one of the place where you generate um, terabyte or maybe more than that, that is scale of data, right? Because you have so many data points in healthcare. But the challenge is you may think that you can do analysis on almost anything and everything in healthcare, but the problem are the two major problems in healthcare is the data privacy. Uh, you you would not have access to data that easily uh, if you're working for a hospital or a healthcare organization. Are you there? Two, you really need domain expertise in, if you're working in hospital, you really need domain expertise to, to make sense out of numbers, right? Especially if you're talking about uh, patient indicators and things like that. So my experience in analytics with the perspective from 
healthcare was uh, I, I, I have always relied on domain experts. So the journey looks quite exciting. Can you tell us more about how your early education was and then how you came into the world of analytics? Yeah, sure. So I went to school almost a decade ago uh, to do a degree in business and finance, which I ended up graduating, followed by uh, Charter Accountancy, and I became a member of Charter Management Account in UK, followed mm -hmm. by a master's degree in economics. So back in 2008, I started working into typical accounting and finance roles. Uh, it was not per se analytics directly, but because it was I was always involved in reporting roles, so I was always curious to automate and uh, re-engineer processes. So that's where my interest in IT started to build. Uh, but I wasn't even close to a business analyst or I would say software developer or, or a data scientist. So I continued to grow mm -hmm. up in my career automating processes in accounting and finance. And accounting and finance, you would know, it's one of that typical field where there is a huge scope of automation, right? Because it's very, very operational, at least Absolutely. Uh, some part of it, right? So I was yeah. always automating things. Uh, and when I moved to Canada like five years ago, so I spent my time mostly in, in Asia, in, in Pakistan. That's where I was born and brought up. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to Middle East for a while. And then I spent a couple of years in, in East Africa. But from East Africa, when I moved to Canada like four or five years ago, I was, uh, I, obviously my first job in Canada was again in, in a finance accounting role, but I was shocked with the speed of change here in North America. And I, I, and then I decided, well, it's, it's time to do something because if I, if I don't jump on, on, on this bus, uh, I, I, I would miss it. Right. Because, uh, things are automating. Um, this is not gonna stop and change is inevitable. So I'll have to I'll have to do something because this big change that everybody is talking about is going to come and hit me in my working life. Right. If I was like 50 mm -hmm. or 55, I wouldn't be that worried because I would say, OK, I'm going to retire until this new things come. Yeah. But now it's, yeah. it's a different scenario for anybody and everybody who's in their 30s or I would say even 40s should look up for this because you, it, it would be your working age where this change would happen. And now with COVID-19, the acceleration, we, we all have seen the changes that CTO couldn't bring this COVID-19 has brought those digital transformations overnight for most of the company, right? Yes. So, yes. so five years ago when I moved, I started realizing it and I started exploring things by myself, right? Uh, I, I've, I never had a formal IT background, but I, I always had a good acumen. I used to read a lot I used to read code, even, even though I cannot write it, I used to read it just like any other language and try to make sense out of it, right? And I always mm -hmm. had to document. So I started teaching myself this BI technologies, SQL, and, and all this data-related thing. And two years ago, I went back to school to do my master's in analytics, where I actually mm -hmm. started uh, going into data science-related technologies. Okay. And that's and that's when PyCarrot also uh, also came in. So my experience with with core data science is for last two to three years, I would say. But before that, I I would say I was more into like advanced analytics or reporting kind of role. Okay, so you always, I mean, we could consider that you missed your train back in two thousand eight to come into the technology world, but the technology never left you. You always try to bring in the technology content in your own sector and then finally you are back here 
as a technocrat right so yeah you could you could you could say that i mean i i always believe that if you cannot mix technology with domain expertise there is no value right so i guess i spent my uh, it's it's kind of opposite that i spent my first half uh, working uh, working in the domain and second domain. half yeah second half i am more into technology and software development role normally it's it's op- is opposite for for people they would start yes. with typical software development software engineering and then once they are experienced they they go out become project manager product manager and and go out yes. into the domain side so it's kind of reverse for me but i guess that's okay yes that is amazing that is amazing so uh, i mean and and as you said that it is a continuous learning process like if you would have not learned this then you would have left behind the race so it's it's actually true nowadays what i am seeing uh, this as well like since i have been into corporate training and i i teach a lot of companies over here so more than the amount of college students who are well aware of this uh, it's it's i can see that there is a huge shift in the trend that working professionals with 15 20 years of experience as well are getting into it a lot a lot and that's that's a huge number because again it makes much more sense if you have domain knowledge to uh, get acquainted with all of these skill sets right 100% and you know i think i i i it's my it's my i personally feel that in next with the with the way things are going uh, the kind of abstractions every company uh, every company is involved in making things easier every company is there is out there to to create products out of ai machine learning at some point whether it's 3 years 4 years 5 years or 7 years at some point we would be using ai technologies and machine learning technologies just like we are using microsoft word and excel it would become Absolutely. part of the product it would become yes. part of the product so if you are seeing that application of gpt3 on google sheets that google has yeah. integrated yeah. or if you are using google hangout you can blur your background or you could you can you can silence the the voice uh, the noise in the background all these are all these are ml ai things deep learning things that we see on linkedin every day but these companies are actually taking these technologies out from research lab and they are productionalizing them into their products so at some point in 5 6 7 10 years things would be as as easy like users wouldn't even know what what are they using right it would become it would be embedded product ai product right so at yes. this point the only edge i don't think so i ask myself every day would deploying a machine learning model using docker or kubernetes is going to give me edge over 10 million other people uh, would would building a bert model or using a pre trained model or using transfer learning in my machine learning would give me edge over 10000 other people in this world and the answer is always no right so in next 5 to 6 years i think the value lies in how and what kind of problem you can solve right and that's the biggest challenge that's the biggest challenge even today even though people don't realize it today but i think in next few years it would be crystal clear absolutely absolutely and these are not like good to have skills now these are like must have skills now right yeah. exactly do you, do you think excel is is good to have a skill today no right nope. I, irrespective of which field you are working in irrespective of which field you are working in uh, you you must have it right similarly uh, i'm not surprised if there would be a button on button on microsoft excel or google sheet which would say predict and you just 
give your data frame and it would predict i mean you don't need to know everything right yes yes that that that's just coming in few days like we already have like all those add on plugins and tools uh, in yeah. the near world near future it would be like just embedded in it yeah exactly great so uh, like you we can say that you have around like 5 to 7 years of experience into the world of analytics and then into the core from you are since 5 uh, years right so yeah. uh i would like to understand how were the projects in the early days and how are they nowadays like what is the difference how is the experience of transition and uh, coming reaching to this point and how you started what was the shift in the projects sure so uh, i per se in my first half of the career i didn't had any direct uh, learning projects uh, mm-hmm. but in terms of analytics my role uh, in my position has changed a lot right so 5 years ago all the projects that i was involved in uh, i was actually leading those projects that mean hiring the vendor finalizing the vendor and getting the work done from the vendor and most of the projects that i did in healthcare was uh, more like descriptive analytics and reporting projects where we are we were moving our legacy systems from from i mean we are moving our reporting from legacy system into clickview or power bi right so those kind of projects mm-hmm. so my okay. my direct experience in terms of um, in terms of delivering those project was uh, was was mostly on management level uh, okay but in last 3 years as i started working with pwc canada i am more and and obviously with the development of pycaret now i see myself like more more hands on with things so the projects that i currently work on pw in pwc uh i i i i would say um the 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 difference between uh the difference i think the difference if if you're asking in terms of uh, how things have changed over time I think the world is smarter now. Uh, you cannot charge millions of dollar for for things that you could charge 10 years ago. So there's <laughs> yes. a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition. Uh you need you really need to do a lot of hard work to to worth the bill. So that's kind of a one big change. The second thing is people are becoming so so smart, right? They are becoming uh very i would say they they they're not living in bubble anymore right so they they themselves yeah. uh they see the news they they see things happening right and they they very often also see elon musk coming on stage and talking cool things <laughs> so yes. now because your business users are very smart uh compared to what where they were 10 years ago you you really need to justify justify the bang right so it's really getting harder Uh, and very competitive in the space to to deliver it. the second biggest thing i think that happened in last few years i remember in october 2012 uh, okay. dj patel wrote a i would say the most famous piece of century that has created all this he wrote this article in october of 2012 that data science is the sexiest field of 21st century and in yes. last 8 years i would say that if we keep going like this we would have more data scientists than the data in the world in next couple of years right? there, there is a huge supply demand imbalance and especially with i don't know if you if you are following that whitehead junior thing which i've started teaching uh, code to kids from like 6 years so if we keep yes. like this uh, i'm sorry to break this bad news we'll run out of data in next 10 years because now like 
because because it was said that data science is the sexiest field now everybody's into data science right so one thing that definitely has changed in last few years is a big is a huge supply demand imbalance which is of which which is obviously going to impact yes and this is this is this is going to be there i mean we i mean every time i used to prepare a ppt or a deck for an introductory session i used to write that 90% of the data which is created uh, which is there today is created in the last 3 to 4 years yeah. 80% of the data is unstructured and then we used to write that at the moment we are just utilizing 0.5% of the data ever created right so mm -hmm. and and there was a huge gap like around 30 lakh of data scientists required and everything all of those things people used to do engineering earlier now everyone is learning data science so i i am also pretty much skeptical about this that we'll run out of data and as well as we'll have a huge uh, chunk of people analyzing it but again i'm very doubtful that how would be the scenario about the technical expertise the domain knowledge right yeah i think uh, i mean i think even even today if you think the biggest thing uh, the biggest thing is like there is a big confusion right many people would think or they're bound to think that problem of machine learning or problem of big data starts with data yes That's not true the, the 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 project is start with a problem statement so yes if you if you don't have problem to solve all these things means nothing right so even today i think people who could who could identify the problem and frame them into a machine learning problem that's the most valuable skill set because that's your individual creativity or that's your real brain power anything and everything else is open source out there you are not prone to competition you you, you have, there is no barrier to entry in this field that that we should understand right so if there is anything uh, anybody wants to work on is is maybe their ability to convert business problems into machine learning problems that's that's like gold gold skill i would say yes absolutely correct this is this is this is very true I totally agree with this. Perfect. So now let us let us come to the present day and understand and talk more about PyCarrot. So let us start with the first question: that what is the story behind the name PyCarrot? Oh yeah. So um, when I was um, I was in the school uh, doing my masters in analytics, and in school they would use R. Uh, right yes. as opposed to python because most of the students coming into and one one of the change that we should also consider is if you ask any business school or maybe computer science school 8 years ago that what is what is the percentage of uh, students coming into program are from computer science or statistical background versus if you ask that question today the numbers would be hugely different right because now people are hopping in to this field from from other 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 fields right just like me yes, i have yes. uh, hopped on from finance into this so in a yeah. school they would teach r primarily because r is is relatively easier because there is no i mean it's not as strong uh, in terms of oop concept so people who are coming from business side they are used to excel and they are they are kind of um, accustomed to the functional programming right because in a way excel or uh, even the language you use in power bi it's it's functional right so they would teach yes. r in school now in r i mean you can use base r to do things but there is a package in r by dr max kuhn uh, and his package is called caret and caret stands yes. for classification and regression uh, training right 
so that's that's the initial inspiration for 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 the sake of name right so because when i started exploring python i didn't find anything like caret in python and because we were making a python version of it so pi is for python and caret is for classification and regression training but later on we ended up adding clustering anomaly detection nlp association rule mining but we didn't bother to like change the name into caret cpal <laughs> Perfect. This is this is a very basic part. Like you had that as an inspiration, and then you moved ahead of it as well. Obviously, now we don't need to change the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the the most inspirational part was when I decided that okay, let's create something like this. At that point, I only knew how to do print hello world in Python. <laughs> That's the funny oh, part. God. That is oh god, oh god. Nice. So. This brings me to the next question: That what was the motivation behind creating PyCaret? I mean, why did you thought of that you need something of this sort? Was it because you you were very new to Python and you wanted to you wanted to like cut the gap of writing the entire long code and reduce it into something, and you want to do the same and empower others as well to do that? So. So that's 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 a that's that's kind of a related question. So, as I was going in a school, I I kind of observe people, myself and other people as well, that our eighty, seventy, eighty, ninety percent of the time is spent in either coding or troubleshooting the code, right? Now the problem is like the way structure is changing. I I I I I was pretty sure that obviously, I mean, you would never. It's it's not gonna happen that. You are the one who who is closest to the problem. You know how to solve the problem, but you don't know how to code. So you would hire a person. You would tell that person that what you need to do. That he would he or she would translate it, and somebody would code it. Right? It's not it's not financially viable. Now, yeah. If you if you if you are solving a problem, and the term that Gartner used for people or analysts like this is is citizen data scientist. Somebody who is yeah. not. Is not who is not as seasoned as the data scientist, but the the reason citizen data scientist was introduced in the system as that originally I would quote originally five years ago the term data scientist was not abused as much as it is abused today. Right today everybody is data scientist. So originally yeah. the data scientist five years ago was a very expensive resource to get, and if you are not one of the company who who has hundreds of problem. Uh, in the back pocket, it's not worth to hire full full time data scientist for like one project out of blue, right? Citizen mm-hmm. data scientist was introduced, but I I I took a very hard look in that, right? That if there are citizen data scientists, what kind of tools are they going to use to solve the exact same problems that data scientist, expensive data scientist, I would say, solve? So there were no tools, uh, at, at least there were no tools to my liking in the open source world. Everything was complicated, right? Everything had had more typical IT concepts into it. So nobody, so I didn't find anything from which is like I would say it's it's a simple product in in open source area. So I invested a lot of time in in exploring all the UI based ML systems, which which would include Microsoft Azure system. Google tables, Data Robot, H two O, and all those kind of um, UI driven tools, and I ended up concluding that uh, it's actually not very efficient to use drag and drop environment as opposed to if you have something really simple. 
so that was the that was the start of the idea to actually create something uh, in in an open source uh, world which saves you time even compared to drag and drop environment and it's equally simple to use it and so so that's that's where it started and this is doing it pretty well and a lot of people are appreciating it and it saves a lot of time actually i mean for me it saves a lot of time i can see others as well everyone is getting uh, used to it perfect so how much time did it took for you to develop and what was like what were the challenges in designing it how was the day one for you to start this process so so to to be honest day one as i mentioned that when i had this idea uh, i i only knew print hello world in python right so yeah. as i was building the basic uh, the basic uh, bare bones structure i had to learn a lot of things there and obviously because i was always curious my learning curve in learning these things were was, was really good which helped me uh, so i would say it it took around like 10 11 months to get version 1.0 mm-hmm. out of the door and the biggest challenge was like i didn't had a skills in python right and i didn't more than that i didn't had a skill in software development like writing a code on python is one thing but when you are building a product a software it's it's a different volume right so i actually yeah. didn't even had a id and you would laugh now that um, the the first version of pycaret was coded on jupyter notebook and that <laughs> point yeah yeah i mean i i also laugh on this like i had no idea of how git works and uh, for for the first few weeks i would say i was and you laugh again that i was i was literally copying the code from jupyter notebook and pasting it in github and and now i think that was very stupid of me but i think people grow like this right so the yes, big challenge was i had no idea what's going on and to 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 be honest when pycaret 1.0 was um, was released there were no unit tests there was no ci cd there was no integration because i didn't knew how to do it right uh, obviously today it's it's a lot different everything is like full flash proper and the next version is also on gpu so today it's very proper with the help of people in community who are coming forward to contribute and develop but my challenge was pycaret 1.0 was uh, i i i lacked software software engineering discipline so that that was the number one challenge i would say and number two you when 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 something is not successful or it's not out there you you don't get a lot of people to come forward and show support to you right uh, so that that was another thing i was i was uh, but i i also had like a, a group of people from my school all of all of my friends uh, they were part of the project and they were supporting it they were not coding but they were supporting it in many other ways such as Uh, documentation and website and and all those things perfect perfect and i i i mean you have taken immense amount of uh, efforts your hard work is really there because i remember the first version uh, your first version came this year somewhere around june right july right april. june or july april as april all right because i i uh remember like i got your message on linkedin for the mm-hmm. first uh, use to try this out like i don't know yeah. i don't know how we were connected but yeah i had this message and i tried it out and then it was so amazing and then we shared and then 
within 10 to 15 days uh, post that conversation i could see a lot of uh, likings around the product so the need was actually there right yeah the need was there and i think few things that i did different and many people would not know this the first soft release that i did was in february that's the first time i posted an okay. announcement out uh, february 2020 i posted an announcement out on linkedin and uh, i i didn't have a good website it was like basic documentation and stuff and i posted an announcement on linkedin and it was distributed to around 140 people in one week and there were only 12 downloads at that okay. point, at that point in February 2020, I realized that, okay, so learning Python and building a product was not enough. Now, if, if, if I have to get the word out, I have to rely on sources like Twitter or LinkedIn or something like that, which can distribute my post, right? Otherwise, it's pointless. There are how many open source projects are there, right? There are thousands and hundreds, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of them, right? And how many you know about? So uh, in February, I realized, okay, it's going to be, it's not enough for, to, for me to learn Python. I have to now learn web development and also social media. So I started focusing on that. And in April, when the announcement went out, it, 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 it went out of the park. And in, okay. two months, in two months, between February and April, I actually taught myself uh, this domain and hosting web, web development kind of thing, learned the WordPress and if the website that you see now, pycaret.org, I have basically mm -hmm. learned, taught myself and developed it myself. This, anyone could say that that has been developed by a very seasoned programmer. Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> So, and also, also obviously had to understand a lot about how LinkedIn uh, or, or how social media works, right? And that's, yes. I think that our, our differentiator was our posts were really hitting consistently. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's, that's how we got the word out. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you want to summarize your marketing strategy of uh, the version mm -hmm. one release, how would you summarize it? Um, like the old, like the February release or April release? The April release. April release. I think uh, the, the the number, the key thing here is is planning, right? So before the announcement went out, I already had list of people who I had to message, and you you were one of them. That's why you got that message. I already did my research work uh, on on LinkedIn for for a few weeks. That who is posting and uh, what's what's the i couldn't see the views on your post but i i had uh, like uh, uh, the reactions right so i i used to keep a track of uh, influencers and and their and their uh, their post times and their um, their reactions that's how i used to guess like okay this 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 is this is where the good engagement is this is where the good engagement is so one thing i did was i i researched the thing the second thing is, I mean, there are obviously, if you are posting on social media, you would know there are there are a lot of techniques related to time and the words and the stuff like that. So yes. I, I obviously used all those things. And the third thing I focus really on on SEO uh, uh, because uh, I mean uh, the 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 majority user base of PyCarrot is is China and Japan. So. Okay. So very early in April, I, I built few partnerships that had 
converted or translated the content from English to to different languages. I think that and that's also where we are getting traction from. So th those three things I would say. Okay. Okay. Amazing. Now, uh, how are you building the team and the contributors for Python? You started it single-handedly, then how how did it multiply? So currently, uh, for for PyCaret, and I think I, I I should do a big shout out to Antony. So PyCaret two point two, we have one core contributor, one 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 the person who led the sprint two point two, Antony Baum, and uh, he 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 basically after I think after two point zero release, he he come forward and he said that I and this is what he exactly. So he opened one single. Um, GitHub issue, and he came forward. He said that I have reviewed the source code. The product looks amazing. I'm not a data scientist. I'm a software engineer, and you need a software engineer to refactor the entire code because this is not going to work. <laughs> and, and that's where the discussion started. And 2.2, uh, the version that is coming tomorrow, is the complete refactoring, or I would say it's a, it's 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 a 90 percent rewrite the, of the original code base base, which had like 60,000 lines of code. It's it's a complete refactoring. And Antony and there are a few other people who who came forward through GitHub and started contributing to to issues. And the way forward we are we have, the way we are going is I I would have start to like um, uh, uh, go back a little bit and uh, and put put a strong team of core contributors. And that's where that that's where I am going with this. So. These days, I'm out for a hunt for five core developers and maintainers for PyCaret who could continue to develop and uh, maintain the backlog and, and um, periodic updates. Perfect. So that, that, is, that is pretty amazing. Like you, you just said that 2.2 is going to release. We have now uh, like around, uh, have, you, have you touched 200,000 now? Because latest i heard that it was close to 170000 plus downloads and moving ahead what what's the current number that you have so as of as of today we have 180000 downloads um and there are a couple of um couple of uh no so i would say 180000 downloads uh, and uh, we we, have, uh, we are hoping to surpass 200000 very quickly after tomorrow's release mm -hmm. amazing all the best. I'm super excited for the next version. Thank you. Now, just uh, could you could you give us a glimpse about what what's the new features we could look forward to in the next version? Sure. So I would say I would I would shortlist top top four 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 or top three changes. The number one is uh, 2.2 PyCaret 2.2 now provides option to train uh, and hypertune models on GPU. Right? And staying true to our spirit of simplicity, there is no change in functionality for user. If you want to use GPU instead of CPU, there is a flag in the set of function. You just set it to true and it would, in behind the scene, it would use GPU algorithms instead of CPU. And most of the common algorithms are now on GPU. We are using uh, Rapid's CUDA ML project uh, for integrating algorithms like logistic regression, random forest, support vector machine, KNN, all those common algorithms, right? So the number one thing is now you can use PyCaret on GPU, uh, which was yeah. the biggest limitation, right? If you are dealing with um, yes. huge data sets um, and you are you are training uh, 
uh, models like CatBoost, XGBoost, CPU is not is not ideal uh, unless you are willing to run it overnight. So GPU is number one thing. Number two thing is now we have integrated. So up until 2.1, you could only uh, tune uh, PyCarrot using scikit-learn, uh, random, random search, right? For 2.2, uh, because we had a lot of requests, we have integrated six different libraries. And you can imagine how difficult it would be to create a wrapper over six different libraries, some of which were already a wrapper over other libraries. And oh, that oh, would oh. include... <laughs> So now in PyCaret 2.2, you can actually tune the model using scikit-learn, or you can use SKOp like scikit-optimize, which is Bayesian grid search, or you mm -hmm. could use Hyperopt, or you could use Optuna, or you could use tune SKLearn, which basically tunes hyperparameters hyper on a cluster. And it is using basically a project called Ray. So okay. that's number two thing that you now have all the possible options, at least all the common possible options in Python are integrated in PyCaret. Um, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the and the good part is you don't really, uh, I mean, if you have used Optina or Hyperop before, the way you use them to tune hyperparameters is, is different than how you would use scikit-learn, right? So now you don't have to do that heavy lifting because we have already wrapped it in our code. So if you have to tune your models using Optina or Hyperop instead of scikit-learn, there is a parameter in the tune model function. You just call that parameter and just point out to the library. So, the, okay. so okay. that's number two thing. Number three thing I would say, I mean, there are so many minor, minor changes, but number three, I would say, uh, we have optimized our memory footprint, right? Because it was, uh, most of the code was rewritten from scratch. Uh, and this time it was written by a software engineer. Uh, so now the memory footprint of PyCaret is very optimized. Uh, so previously, if you had problems uh, where you would get memory error, uh, you can try 2.2. Uh, maybe the, it would. It, it. I hope it would be better this time because we have optimized the memory footprint of 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 the package, and that has resulted in 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 huge performance gains as well. So we have did this experiment on New York taxi dataset from Kaggle. Mm -hmm. uh, we have taken a sample of 1.5 million RAWs and passed it through set of function and ran it through all the released versions of PyCaret. Uh, you would have seen this post on LinkedIn a couple of days ago. PyCaret 1.0 cannot even handle that. Uh, it's only 1.5 million RAWs. It, it would give you out of memory error. PyCaret 2.0 would take 13 minutes and 40 seconds. PyCaret 2.1, uh, the, the last stable release, would take 9 minutes and 52 seconds. PyCaret 2.2, which is coming tomorrow, is going to take 40 seconds only. So it's, it's a 30-fold increase in performance. Great. So uh, there are a lot of new features we could, we could look up to in the next version from tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Now, uh, so, so we talked about like hyperparameters. We can like almost take care of everything using different uh, packages as well now in PyCaret. What would what do you think? Like, how would be a life cycle for a project of a data science uh, or machine learning using PyCaret? Like, if someone if someone is just aware about the algorithms, how do they work? That's it. Mm -hmm. And someone is just aware about the Python, like. Not, 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 not with respect to OOP concept or anything. He just knows the basic of it and he'll be able to just get it through. How do you think if he has a problem, right? 
how would be the life cycle? Okay, so there are two things uh, going on here, right? So if you have a machine learning problem statement, that means you have already identified a business problem that you are solving. For example, you have identified a problem of uh, of custom. Let's say the problem statement is customer acquisition cost for your business is too high, right? And if customers keep churning with this speed, it's it's impossible to to stay in business profitably. So that's that's your broad problem statement that would come from business, right? Then somebody would convert that business problem statement into a machine learning problem statement. Okay, uh, cost of customer acquisition is too high. So if we can predict what customers are gonna leave, and we can understand the the reasons that why they are leaving, maybe we'll be able to do something, take an action to stop the churn. And if we stop the churn, we'll obviously our cost of customer acquisition at, at the total level would, would go down, right? Because the less customer would be churning. Mm -hmm. Now, assuming that you already have a business problem in hand and somebody has already converted into a machine learning problem, now all that is left there to do is actually get the data, right? Get the data, compile the data, understand the data, and then do the modeling. And to be honest, whether you are using PyCaret or whether you are using anything, when it comes to modeling, there are only few people in the world who would actually understand each and every mathematical details that goes behind the algorithm. And those people, it is very unlikely. And even if there are people who, I mean, I'm sure there are people who would understand every mathematical detail. Trust me, those people, they would not be sitting in front of Jupyter Notebook and, and fitting the models for you, right? Because those people would ideally be in some kind of research labs building new algorithms. So. When people talk about maths versus no maths, like they need to understand people who would use these tools as a product are not necessarily coming out from research lab, right? And if they are coming out of research lab, they are not gonna sit in front of computer and do Jupyter Notebook, right? So anybody uh, who is using PyCaret or a, I, I would, I, let, let, me, let me just talk about the life cycle in PyCaret, right? So I think the first thing, uh, 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 anybody, a business analyst or a data scientist or a citizen data scientist solving problem would invest a lot of time and we expect that he or she would invest a lot of time in understanding data generating process. Because if you don't understand your data well enough, uh, there is no point of doing modeling, right? Sure, you would get some random results, uh, but it's, 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 it's just random, right? So given that you have invested time in data generating process and now you understand all those assumptions behind your data set, you would basically do a rapid, uh, quick prototype using PyCaret, which if you have used PyCaret before, uh, you would know that in, in six lines or seven lines, you would you'd get a model out. A any model, it could be random forest XGBoost or anything like that. But you would get a baseline performance in, in, in first cut, right? And this is kind of your prototype cycle that you would iterate over many times. So it's it's not gonna happen that you would just know going into the problem you would know that okay for this data set get boost is gonna work it's not gonna happen like that right so uh, the reason PyCaret is really helpful is because it shortens that time of experimentation that means in the same time you can experiment more options or more possibilities that kind of increases your likelihood to get to a better model faster or in the same time at least compared to anybody else right so in PyCaret, you would use it to repeat that iteration or the cycle 
and then come up with the final model right and that final model can just go into production just like any any other uh, machine learning model so because pycaret is like we haven't written algorithms from the scratch right it's just replacing your boilerplate code so the models that you get out of pycaret is same scikit-learn or or uh, QDIML or XGBoost or CatBoost. After that point, the deployment part is is all same for for PyCare. Okay, perfect. So I I guess I guess our viewers will get a lot of insight about how it can help or the PyCare from this. Amazing. Before we conclude, I just have one last question for you, boys. Mm -hmm. What would be the word of wisdom? For all the new learners and the new data scientists, enthusiasts, whatever we uh, are, are thinking of coming into the industry, it's still a big uh, hyped domain, right? I mean, a lot of people have still not heard about data scientists and still are trying to do something in it and they want to make most out of this opportunity. And in this entire pandemic situation, a lot of uh, job losses are being taken uh, place and all of those things. So we have a large audience and a exponentially growing community of data scientists. And you have been like, we can, we can call you a seasoned data scientist and, and a person who is knowing the industry upfront. I mean, you have your product in place now and you already uh, are familiar with all the uh, nooks and corners of the domain. So what would be your word of wisdom for everyone? So I think the, one simple thing I would say is there is a lot of confusion. There is a lot of confusion. Yes. There is no single definition of data scientist. So one thing that you should know today, if you are planning to come into this field, is data scientists these days, as I like to call it, they come into flavors. They come with flavors. So the, if you, one data scientist is data scientist with heavy knowledge of statistics, then there is another data scientist which comes with heavy knowledge of computer science, then there's another data scientist with a heavy knowledge of, of with the heavy domain expertise, right? So data science, this come in, in flavor. So if you are starting today, pick your path. And if you are picking data science with computer science, there's no shortcut. You have to go to school, do your BS, do your computer science, and then decide or start doing a specialization in data science, right? So there are no shortcuts to that. If you are, if you are planning to go into data science uh, with, stats heavy background, go to school, do the BS degree in statistics or master's degree in statistics, right? There are no shortcuts. Um, uh, and, and even if, if somebody tells you there are shortcuts, you should not take it because it, it's going to come back, haunt you back in a couple of years. And it could hurt you at a stage of career where there would be things, uh, things at stake for you. So if you are young today, put your time into, take a long route today if you're young. Uh, and second thing, uh I, I i would say in good faith for everybody is it's extremely hard to predict what's going to happen five years from today right it was possible 15 20 25 years ago 30 years ago it was possible but mm -hmm. today it's a little bit hard to to say where the world would be five years from today in fact at a, at a point where we cannot even say where the world would be like three months from today uh it's mm -hmm. very hard though so don't don't get don't get misled by by all these uh, all these observations or all these predictions 
uh, I would I can confidently say that nobody can predict uh, the the change or uh, change of technology in the next five years. Nobody can predict. So 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 I think at the end of the day you'll have to make judgment call by yourself. Do your research. Make a judgment call. Go to school. Don't take shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, the key takeaways for me would be like, there are no shortcuts and learning and trying is the most important thing. Things will come in line when they have to, right? And then yeah. it's nothing is impossible again. Yeah, no, yeah, nothing is impossible, especially when I look back, like uh, I, I'm, I, I laugh on things, but uh, if there's anything you can, you can learn from my story is, is nothing is impossible for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was an amazing discussion with you, Moiz. And I'm really glad to see what PyCarrot is today. And I wish you all the luck and to you and the team and all the best for the new launch of the version 2.2, which is coming tomorrow. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Anurad. Perfect. Thank you.